Hello. Hello, hello. You're right. I'm very well. How are you? Wonderful, thank you. Good. Well, uh, well this is our. This is round two. Um, because we did try and do this interview yesterday, but we had some technical difficulties, so we're going to try again. Just going yeah. back to the project, um, you. Uh, so this it was released in in January, am I right? Yes, that's right. We started releasing in January, end of January through until March. So every week we did another remix. How did you choose who these remixes were going to be? It wasn't, uh, it was first, uh, well, actually the whole thing was inspired by Jan Blomqvist. Because mm. Jan was the first to actually ever remix it, but not publicize it. Uh, this was like back, I think, in November or beginning of December when I saw it. I got the inspiration for doing this and actually publishing them. Um, he was a bit afraid because, of course, there is not only positive messages you get from using such a track and remixing it. But you have to consider Iranians since the, since the, the Islamic Revolution have grown up with music only being used for sadness and for tears rather than for dancing and enjoyment. They don't really understand the rebellion behind dance music. Mm. So there's a lot of backlash. Even for myself, I got a lot of backlash. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, the first couple of times we posted about it was a lot of backlash. This is the first time where literally there's like over 200 comments by now on my, on my reel. And every single one of them is positivity and happiness. And they're really... Um, yeah, it's the pride of the Iranians at the moment, this thing. And choosing the artists, um, Victor Ruiz is a really good friend, uh, a kind-hearted person, so it was very, uh, wasn't hard to guess him. We asked a lot of other artists, May didn't respond, for many it was too short-term because, you know, they were on tour and not being able to go to the studio, uh, and they declined. Um, but yeah, the selection that we have at the end, I think, was the right one, because we managed to fit every genre in electronic music, more or less. We had house, we had uh, techno, melodic techno, hard techno, everything. So at the end, everybody can play it. Amazing. And it was released on your own lab label, Some Rituals. Yeah. It was released on my label and all proceedings uh, will be going to the Women Life Freedom Foundation in mm -hmm. LA. I read somewhere online today that said, uh, Human Rias is someone who plays from the heart. Yeah. And... Um, just through your story, what you've been telling us now, and also me seeing you play, I'm meeting you for the first time, which is where we met at Exit Festival. Yeah. That is something that I really, really felt. Uh, and I'd like to talk a little bit about Exit because I know that is home for you. And uh, <laughs> even though I already know the story because we had this interview a couple of weeks ago, I thought it was a really interesting one. Um, Exit Dance Arena obviously is one of the best dance floors for me in the world. It was such an incredible experience. Um, so I'd like to I'd like to talk a little bit about that and how how your relationship with Exit started, and uh, talk a little bit about your not this year's performance but also other performances because I also know you're like the only artist that's ever opened and closed that arena. That is right. I mean, Exit uh, the relationship started in 2019. I met my brother Zagor, uh, who was running the who is running the No Sleep stage at uh, Exit. In, at Awakenings and we connected because at that point I was running a club called MMA I was the creative director and he obviously had exit and never been in touch with them before so he was like hey why don't we do a show at your club and we'll g give you a stage hosting at exit and I was like fuck yeah let's do it so we did the stage hosting in 2019 it was very very amazing uh, spent I met the whole crew besides Dushan I hadn't met Dushan in 2019 yet uh, I met the wonderful Alisa, Sagor, the whole crew was like, I arrived and I felt like I was at home. 
immediately. Like the way they receive you is, is just different. Then 2020, of course, it didn't happen, unfortunately. Mm. Thanks to the pandemic, the great uh, gap of my life that I try to forget. Everybody tries to forget the big yeah. C word. <laughs> <laughs> and then comes 2021 where it was actually the only major festival to happen in that year in Europe. So Exit once again became a revolutionary thing. That was also the year where Sagor wasn't there and uh, I met Dushan as Sagor's astral projection, the way that Sagor said to me. And we instantly connected. We are brothers. We are very, very like-minded. We are both having a very similar vision of where we want dance music to go. And Dushan came to me and he goes, Brother, you're a DJ. Me and you will play back to back between Art Bell and Solomon. And I was like, uh, yeah, right, that's bullshit. That's not going to happen. Well, it did. Uh, and we played the Exit soundtrack together in between those, uh, between those guys. Uh, there's a great picture of me, of us as well. It looks like the, the, last, uh, the last meal. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. You have Solomon like, reaching over, you know. It's all in action. It's really, really cool. <laughs> Um, and yeah, then comes to 2022 when I was invited to open Dance Arena on the Thursday, which I did, which was an incredible moment. Like for me, it was one of the first career-changing moments in my in, in my career. And of course, also the energy at Dance Arena is, is unique. This dance floor is the best dance floor on earth. There's nothing like it. The energy there is magical just for the fact that it is an arena. People are looking down on you. And so I closed, uh, so I opened the dance arena and uh, fast forward to the Sunday, Artbat is playing the closing on Monday morning, it's 9am, they stop playing. Dance arena is full, there's 20,000 people on this dance floor. And Dusan asked Artbat, okay, if you're stopping, human is continuing, and they said yes. So I jumped on and started playing, which made me officially in 23 years of exit history, the only artist to ever open and close dance arena in the same year. And wow. so to carry on this tradition, this year they invited me back to close Dance Arena on the Friday after Koyos, which was just, uh, yeah, I have no words for that, what happened there. That was one power hour I will never forget. It was insane. I was there and I was absolutely blown away. Absolutely blown away. It was so so special. And just everything about Exit was, was special. It was my very first time there and um, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, was had you played Tomorrowland before? Was it your first time this year? I played Tomorrowland last year, the first time at the Rave Cave. That was kind of the tester. Um, I felt I, I felt that as a test because they didn't really know where to put me. Yeah. Considering you know, I knew me as a tour manager, as a manager, as a as a booker. I've done every position you could possibly do in the industry, with the full aim that one day I'm going to become the artist that I always wanted to be. Um. And no, the, the whole team came by to the rave cave. It's a tiny, tiny stage, 200 people capacity. And I noticed, yeah, something else is going to be added to this next year, which it is. It did. I played the second sort of core stage this year. Wow. And yeah, that stage is something else. I can imagine. <laughs> that is what a few weeks you've had. I'm closing exit and then playing Tomorrowland. What other things have you got coming up over the next few months that you're really, really excited about? I don't even know my calendar for the next few months, but it's coming up. <laughs> and also, every time I feel like I speak to you, you're always on an aeroplane. So that must mean something good. I, I, I am, because I've made, because I'm, I'm doing everything myself still. I mean, I have a booker who's, who's working for me, but I'm still at the end reeling everything in myself because of my own network. 
uh, I'm flying around constantly. Like the next 25 days, the, you, you hope you're my off day at home. Wow. So the next 25 days, I'm on tour, I'm traveling. Um, and no, the next gig is this Friday, uh, Audio River Festival, back to back with Axel Hauber. And then Saturday, Traumtänzer Festival in Munich, which is alongside Township Rebellion, Party Boy 69, Matrix Man, and those guys. Uh, and then I have Hamburg next week. Then I go to a festival privately on the Saturday uh, to support Rydie Sonnefeld, um, finishes 12-hour live marathon that he's planned to do. Wow. 12 hours live, breaking the world record. That's crazy. Uh, and I go to Ibiza. And hopefully I get some spontaneous gigs at Ibiza because that's the plan. It always works out that way. Okay, I, I love this because this is something that I've heard before from artists. That spontaneous, I'm going to manifest these gigs and then they're going to happen. Is that something that often happens to you? Um, it hasn't happened very often, but it has happened. Like in Tulum, this is something that happens. And in Ibiza, this is something that can happen. Especially when it comes to villa parties. Villa parties. Is that something that often happens? Villa parties. It happened last night. I was, there. I was uh, there for the openings. I'm sitting. I just finished eating my dinner. I get a phone call. Hey, do you want to play a villa party? I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> I'll be there in two minutes. Uh, yeah, exactly. I was there in like half an hour. I went back to, to Ushuaia, got my stuff and uh, drove off to, uh, to a villa. Which turned out, I was thinking it was going to be a tiny villa, 50 people. Nope. Like six, seven hundred people. This massive place it was insane. Wow, it was a wow. Good so just going back to like your beginnings, um, tell us a little bit yeah. about where you grew up and the music that you were brought up around, and how that has influenced your sound today. Actually, if I tell you what I was, what I listened to growing up, that has zero influence. Oh, on my really? Yeah, I used to listen to like punk rock like back in the day. I come from punk rock, uh, a lot of old, old Green Day, not the new poppy Green Day. Um, Blink-182, I, I grew up in England, so for 10 years I was living mm, in the okay. UK. Uh, so yeah, a lot of influence from that, like British pop, lots of the kooks and that kind of stuff. And then one day I discovered electronic music, not quite techno, but I was like 15, I think. I discovered EDM. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is the shit, this is the bomb, I like this. So I was going out to Ministry of Sound every weekend, sneaking in, uh, trying not to get ID checked, even had a fake ID when wow. I was, I think, 16, which was really easy to get in the game. Uh, and then one day I was sitting at my friend's place, smoking a big fat joint with him, and he would put on Oliver Huntemann. And I was like, what is this music? And he said, this is techno, bro. I'm like, no way. This is so good. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's how I discovered techno, and since then I fell in love. And I've gone, I think, sound spectrum wise, I, I play everything. Like, literally, I, I have played everything, and I play everything. I even played UKF events. I've played dubstep events in, in Munich before. Wow, you really <laughs> like, have done everything. Yeah, I've warmed up the yeah. I literally have, uh, I played hard techno, I've played techno, I've played with acts like Ben Clark, San Giuliano, Ciao David. I've, I've done a whole lot. So, yeah, and now I settled for the sound that really, you know, moves, which is melodic techno, because I've realized, you know, you need something that moves you. And as long as much as techno makes me dance, it doesn't move me as much as yeah. the melodic stuff. So that's where I found my way somewhere with indie dance and melodic So techno. what were your first steps into making music as a career? Like, at what point did you say, 
okay, I obviously have this love for for electronic music, but at what point did you think this is what I want to do? I want to. I want to DJ. The first time that I DJ, I thought that thought when I was 15. I was a, it was the GCSE party <laughs> of my school. I was there with my friend Eduardo Monti and we were playing on virtual DJ. At that point, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, and, that's, and that's how it happened. And then, that's how it happened. Then I had to figure yeah. out how the fuck to do it. You know, <laughs> that was a difficult part because one option was, you know, produce get lucky, hopefully somebody signs you, or do every fucking position in this industry that you can possibly can at the best companies you can possibly get to, which I did. I've worked for Time Warp, I've worked for Artbat, I've, uh, I work with Rainier still to this day, wow. I have done a lot. Everything you can do, from artist booking to management to tour management, which is how and I do my network. And also I think that when you have worked in different areas, different fields in the music industry, as an artist, You've already covered everything, so I feel like it's. I don't want to say the word grow, but it's easy to easier to like work your way around the industry and know like what is best for you as an artist to to take the next steps in your career. I think so too. I think so too because I've noticed the things that I when I when I put things into action, they usually work out. Um, just because I have the knowledge from every every angle that you yeah. can go at this, you know, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely it gives you an advantage, but also it gives you better understanding of how it functions, because many artists they 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 they, come, they don't understand how you know how management is supposed to work, how the booking process goes ahead, how festivals do their job. I mean, mm -hmm. I was a festival booker too, so I know exactly when festivals book their artists, how they do it, and what the criteria are, and yeah. how to convince them. Because I, I had to convince them one <laughs> like point I've too. Like I've been there, been in your shoes, so I know. <laughs> Amazing. Cuba, thank you so, so much. I'll speak to you soon. Katie, okay, take care. Ciao.